0: Um, Jordan can join us um, if if and when she's able to. Um, Okay. So, uh, Deputy Chief Henley, would you mind reading the remote meeting statement, please?
1: No, I don't mind at all. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I guess you'd be Chair Robinson. Uh, Good evening. Uh, I just have a few housekeeping items for the Zoom meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Uh, Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting unless you are speaking. The chat function for the meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn off your video. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating in the meeting, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat message. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Uh, And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Chair Robinson.
0: Thank you, Deputy Chief Heffley. Um, So we're going to begin tonight's meeting with a moment of silence for Jalen Walker the unarmed black man who was shot over 60 times and killed by police last week in Akron, Ohio. After the moment of silence, we'll hear,
2: hear a statement from Chief Lockhart. Chief, if you could, um, your statement,
3: please. Thank you. I want to thank the CPRB for the opportunity to speak openly and publicly about the Jalen Walker shooting in Akron, Ohio. Like many of you and members of our community, when I watched the body camera video of the incident, I found it very disturbing. While I cannot speak specifically on this case because I do do not have access to all the information, I want to be very clear that our use of force policy places the sanctity of life in its opening statement. It reads, the Lawrence Police Department holds in high regard the value of human life and the dignity of all persons without prejudice. The portion of the policy was updated when we banned chokeholds. We also recognize the use of force requires monitoring, evaluation, and a careful balancing of all interests. We work closely with the Lawrence NAACP to move de-escalation to a prominent place in our policy. Officers dealing with people during crisis situations and many times people are not making rational decisions. That is exactly why the areas of emphasis in our official policy are important and our policy at the Lawrence Police Department strongly emphasizes de-escalation. Of course, a good policy is only as good as the training and supervision behind it. We regularly train on our use of force policy informally during shift briefings and most recently in our mini academy. The training scenario in Armenia Academy dealt with an armed motorist. Officers had to use their de-escalation training to successfully resolve the situation. Practice and training are critical, and I mandate it, period. Pursuits are challenging situations. Clearly, this situation did not end the way anyone hoped. Supervisors at LKPD are alerted and command any pursuit, which ensures it is limited to only the cars and officers necessary to resolve the situation. Again, a focus on de-escalation. When incidents like this occur, we take the time to examine it and provide updates to policy and training if we see areas for improvement. This will happen once we have more information on this situation. I wanna reassure our community that we are committed to providing a safe and secure Lawrence for everyone as outlined in our strategic plan. We continue to listen to our community as we work to reimagine policing in Lawrence. And one final note, I think talking about these types of incidents is a good thing. It's never the result we want on our end, and fear is natural, but it's my job to support the officers who protect you and also explain what we do, why we do it, and the ways we work to prevent this type of outcome, so I want to thank the board for this opportunity.
0: Thank you, Chief. Do we have any comments from board members? board member
4: taylor board member marie taylor so i talked with jenny uh jenny robinson chair about the need to to put this on the agenda because i could not imagine i could not fathom having to sit on this board and not say Jaden, jalen walker's name and and to pay respect to what happened to him and that should not have happened to anyone's family member um, and and as these incidents continue to happen it's fueling distrust it is fueling fear among black and brown people and even if it doesn't happen in lawrence it could happen in lawrence and that's the, that's what we feel the weight on people and i'm not speaking as a i'm not talking as a spokesperson i'm talking as like a human being a mother a sister and it's just it's just really hard and so it i used i just feel like we had to at least address it and have the chief speak on it to figure out like how what this means for lawrence um and the brutality of what we saw is just unimaginable and i cannot believe it happened and here we are again <laughs> thank you
0: thank you board member taylor uh, board member minor and then, board member Littleton.
5: Yes, the uh, the situation with uh, Jalen Walker is a very serious, very serious situation. But I think it's very good for Lawrence that we have made the uh, changes in police policy procedures to uh, further prevent this or provide our officers with the understanding of the level of tolerance that will be allowed in this community. Uh, I think we're very lucky on the aspect of not being like some of the other communities where they have to deal with this matter. Uh, It's an unfortunate situation. And from what the little bit I saw from the media, which I'm taking with a grain of salt, I mean, almost close range shooting. There's a handcuffing after the individual had passed. Uh, There's just certain things that a a community needs to understand and not tolerate. And it's good that the Lawrence community has made proactive measures. And that's the most important thing is we take proactive measures in regards to reducing the situations that we're seeing across the country.
6: Thank you, Board Member Minor. Uh, Board Member Littleton. And this uh, board member Littleton thanks Jenny. I just want to concur with both what Marie and, and James are saying, and not take up a lot of time. But I do appreciate the chief addressing this and putting this right out on the table and giving us some insight how that connects the dots here. So thank you for doing so.
2: Um.
0: I'd like to make space, if possible, for public comment on this matter, if there is any.
1: There is public comment
7: here in the room. Yes, public comment. Am I unmuted? Can you hear me, board?
0: Yes, we can hear you. Thank you. Okay,
7: I find it incredibly offensive that this chief would come in here and talk about a crime that happened two states away. But he won't address any of the situations that i presented to this board or this chief that have happened right here in lawrence kansas and he won't even look me in the eyes anymore won't talk to me won't look me in the eyes let's address some situations that have happened here we've seen officers use excessive force here and this board has remained silent we've seen ex officers use excessive force here and the police have remained silent while they change policies and cover things up to hide it we don't release public records the way we're supposed to So we can't find out any information about it. But you guys are gonna come in here and talk about Jalen Walker. Now I have a lot of understanding of the Jalen Walker situation because if you're not aware, there was another exact same shooting that happened. You can go to Lawrence Accountability and see the video that's not being monetized because I thought it needed to be seen by the public. These shootings are not just a one-off. They are a part of training. That's part of why they don't want the shooting range to be public, because they want to go in there and train how to blow someone away. They want to pop off clips, not train with weapons like we did in the military. There is weapons training, and it's not what the police are doing. And, if, and, and you guys spent all this time talking about Jalen Walker, but you guys have not made a single second to talk about Adil Kasim or the individual who was on Mass Street, I uh, believe his name was Felix that had Daubert's knees put in his back. How about we have those discussions here? But we can't even talk about those here, but you're going to express sympathy for a guy that happened two states away. I think that's a cop-out, and it's a way to avoid talking about local issues because he can come in here and openly and freely talk about Jalen Walker, but we can't openly and freely talk about the citizens of Lawrence. What is wrong with that, guys? Seriously, I'm going to keep my cool tonight and respect the board. But I do not respect any of these men here tonight.
0: Thank you for your comment, Michael. I see public comment from Stephen Watts.
8: We've got Hi. another one in person awesome. go first. Oh. Okay. Okay. You can take the one in person.
9: Sure. Right.
0: We'll take go the ahead. other in-person public comment.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
9: Jeremy Rothkushel, Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, the radical middle of America. Uh, I was actually going to reference uh, information that I'd been uh, uh, in- attuned to by Mr. Stephen Watts which is the, I believe it's called Lexapro, which is a cut and paste policy handbook that's used around the country by uh, police departments, including it looks like for statewide policy in California. And it looks like it works to create policy that basically plays right up against the line of the law in terms of the definition of imminent threat, Um, and what imminent might mean. And so my concern is that if we're using these same kind of handbooks here in Lawrence, that we are setting up a situation where for reasons of wanting to get away legally after some kind of incident uh, that has been referenced, that we are going to actually escalate the policy that ends up in that kind of situation and then it being justified. So I just wanted to comment on that matter. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, I think we can go next to Stephen Watts.
8: Thank you, Ms. Robinson. I appreciate you opening this up. And in furtherance of that, let's try to be more than three minutes to talk in public reaction to stuff because there's no rule or law that says three minutes. This is some asinine thing that's been discovered. But I share the sentiments that's been given. What about Andrew Finch's murder in Wichita, Kansas? The guy's in his own bed and the cops come and shoot him. Incredible. Nobody did anything. Okay, what this other guy was just saying, right? Um, just a moment, if you don't, I want to quote what these guys said. Okay, uh, Mr. Lockhart was talking about, you know, the policy, right? Exactly, I agree. Policy, but the policy for Lawrence is written out of Lawrence. It's written by a right-wing think tank, Lexi Pole, not pro Lexi Poll. I've talked to the board about this repeatedly. It does not it gives police the same powers that the Stasi had in East Germany. It's incredible. And we just let it happen. Um, I understand that it's not easy, but at the same time, I'm in a room with a virtual room with a people making a hundred thousand dollars a year and they want to climb. It's just incredible, Ms. Robinson. It's incredible. That man, he was gun the training that occurs in our community for the police. It doesn't have anything to do with education or training. It has to do with an overall attitude. And these people who sign up nowadays, they wanna be GI Joe, send them off to Fallujah if they wanna go shoot people and be shot at. That isn't happening here in Lawrence. Why do we underscore the utilization of warrior training for police in Hillbilly Hicksville, Lawrence, Kansas? I like it being Hillbilly Hicksville, Lawrence, Kansas that's why i'm here you can put a lipstick on a pig it's still a pig okay well that's we i have some public comments we'll get to those next thank you for this opportunity
0: thank you stephen okay we're going to go ahead um if that's all from the board as well to move on to our next item which is approving um minutes from our june 9th meeting um Do we have a motion to approve those minutes?
5: This is board member Minor. I make a motion to approve the the June minutes.
2: Do we have a second? second. Okay, we have a second. Um, We'll go ahead
0: and vote to approve the minutes. I'm assuming board member Littleton, will you abstain today?
6: I will abstain. Thank you, Board Member um, uh
0: Board Member Taylor, yay, or may. Board Member Murray Taylor, yay. Board Member Minor.
5: Board Member Minor, yay. Board Member Bickford.
0: Board Member Bickford, yay. Hey, Chair Robinson, yay. It's okay. <coughs> my time are going off. Um, Okay, Uh, we have voted to approve the minutes from our June 9th meeting. Um, We'll move on to public comment. Um, The public is allowed to speak at public comment after first being recognized by the chair, except that any complaints or comments regarding individually identifiable officers are not allowed. Rather, any such comments or complaints may be provided to the board in writing, and the board will forward such comment or complaint to the appropriate person within the Lawrence Police Department. Uh, The board may establish reasonable limitations on the allowable length of public comment. Um, We've agreed upon three minutes. As a general practice, the board will not discuss or debate these items, nor will it make decisions on items presented during this time. Uh, Do we have public comment? It looks like we have um, Stephen uh, remotely. Are we able to start with Stephen or?
7: Sure, go ahead with Stephen.
0: Okay, all right, thank you, Michael. Sorry, there's a lot of different screens up here. We'll go ahead and start with Stephen.
8: Thank you. Firstly, I'd like to talk about the minutes. The minutes are useless because they do not include the public comment. There's no no he said, she said. Even in the minutes of what you guys say, there's no, no taste or feel for it, actually what is going on. Next, I have no clue after more than three years of this stuff, three years for me and then some, uh, what each of you stand for. I don't know what you stand for. I know what I stand for. I want a strong citizens police review board that does everything. I mean, writes the policy, does the supervision, takes the complaints, everything. We tell the police what to do. They don't tell us what to do. Number one. Number two, I don't know where you stand in this stuff. I'd like to know. I'd like each of you to say, you have done nothing but absurd. You have wasted your time and given what little progress was made back to these guys. Now they're here. Why are they here? They need to be here to show up and shut up and be told what to do. They don't like that. I understand that. I get it. However, this is, this is, this is heavy duty stuff that we're going on here now with this other fellow in the, in the crowd. I, uh, I'm sorry. I can't remember names. It's not written down. I don't do very well. And, uh, You know, it's hard to pull this information up and do this stuff, which is why three minutes doesn't cut it. Um, What's the rush? You know, the first, the meeting started off with you getting rushed by Lockhart. It's incredible. At any rate, what are we going to do about biometrics and the purchase of all of this software? When it was purchased two years ago, I was talking about it. I said, what the hell is this? And they went, I knew what it was. And I got dismissed. You know, they put in the budget, we're going to purchase a... uh, tactical computer what the hell is a tactical computer it's a computer or a forensic computer it's just a computer with software anyway i'm frightened by what progress has done for the invasion of privacy and the no controls over the police department and how they are using this israeli based software please can you guys Flex a muscle. I mean, you don't have to do what Brandon McGuire tells you to do. You tell him what to do. He works for us. Brandon, we want this, not can we, hell no. And where did all of the authority go? You've been neutered. And was her name, Gordon? I can't remember the name. She she resigned um, despite having participated in turning this into an academic exercise. These are not easy times for anybody, including Lockhart and and Heffley. They they got tough jobs, and I understand that. And you know what? I might believe in them. We're in a town that let the police union run a black chief of police out of town, and we still don't know what the hell for, and we're never going to know. Why not? So, Hefley and Lockhart got to deal with these guys. I understand. You know the the the. Walking that line, but we need to please flex your muscle for a while. Let's get something accomplished here. Don't let Marie Garton, whatever her name is, the, the town lawyer, um, Tony Wheeler and Marie gonzalez and Marie Taylor. I had a conversation with you, Marie, and you told me that you know you wanted to see this racially biased focus. Okay, well, now we've focused on nothing. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Stephen. Uh, do we have in-person public comment as well?
7: Yep. Yes.
0: All right, go ahead, Michael.
7: Stephen. her name was Jane Gibson, and Chief Lockhart is the reason she resigned, I'm pretty sure. It was after that little Ford-Chrysler conversation that was really kind of interesting. Um, tonight, I want to talk about the complaint process. This is going to be a completely outside what you expected. But I found out some information this week. I've had emails back and forth with a board member, and I've had some emails back and forth with the uh, records, and I've had a a bit of a confrontation with Bill Corey. We had a heavy patrol running through my neighborhood all of a sudden. I felt like it was intimidation, so I called it out. (laughs) Tried to find out who the officer was so that I could make a complaint in B1. Nobody wanted to tell me who that officer was. Bill Corey came out and said that unless I had an actual interaction with that officer, I have no right to find out his name. So we require actual interactions to find out somebody's name. Now, how in the hell is somebody supposed to submit a third party complaint about something they witnessed looking out their window on a police officer if we can't do it? And we can't find out names unless we had an actual information uh, uh, interaction with them. Now I'm going to tell you how that's difficult and the reason why this becomes into play. Because I submitted an open record request. And I think this board needs to remember that you guys operate under the Kansas Open Records uh, Act. And you are not allowed to have any more information than I should be allowed to have from the police department if that is true. But I don't think that's true because I'm being blocked in an, in an interesting way. I submitted a request to the Lawrence Police Department requesting a document, I think I might have said a record, sufficient to identify the individual police officer driving Unit B1 during a specific time in a specific neighborhood at a specific date. What I got back was an indication from Kim Murphy, (laughs) the head of records, and you guys are going to love this, there is no responsive record. Now, what that would mean is that she's trying to tell us that the police department does not follow the policies as far as it goes, or the actual laws, as far as it goes to keeping records for what officers are doing. So they're saying that there's no responsive record to what officer is driving a car. I'm asking how in the hell is that possible? So we don't inspect our vehicles when we start our shift. We don't write down mileage. We don't uh, sign a form that says we've taken control of this car for a period of time. Do we not do any of that stuff, chief? It doesn't sound like it because apparently there's no responsive record, guys. Now, you operate under this core policy. How are you supposed to get records if this is the way they treat it? Now, I found out who was in B3. That's our good buddy. And there's a reason they don't want to know. They don't want me to know that it's because he's one of the officers that would have motivation to start cruising my neighborhood, because he doesn't like the fact I caught him mute a body cam talking about an investigation when they unjustly pulled somebody off their porch, threw him to the ground and later made him uh, plead guilty to the charges of interfering. And you guys want 2.5 more million dollars. 2.5 more. Well, we got to close down stuff. That's a greedy mindset. You can't go to shooters and shoot, can you? Do they not like you there? Are you, do, do you not feel comfortable there? How come you can't go to shooters and shoot your guns off?
0: And Michael, would because, you be able to finish in the next 30
7: seconds or so? Oh, I sure can. Thank you. Thanks, but the last thing I want to say is I can't wait for the day when we catch you guys popping off rounds like what we see on TV because you know it's coming.
2: Thank you, Michael.
9: Greetings, Jeremy Rothkischel, Radical Middle American from Radical Middle America, Lawrence, Kansas um, board. I uh, submitted public comment today in written form with a bunch of links that uh, substantiate and found the fact that we do have a contract with the Israeli security state founded BriefCam, the uh, video biometrics analytics It was uh, submitted and signed off on in 2019, and then there's a line item for it in 2020. It looks to be a three-year contract, which very likely means that it's coming up for uh, a a recontracting next year. So we need to talk about this now in terms of the specific case. Now, I would remind the board in terms of the targeting and the killing of, of Black men that this uh, foreign security state, Israel, has been well recognized at this point to be an apartheid government, ethno-religiously biased, I, as a Jewish American patriot of conscience who is involved in First Amendment protected activities around these kinds of very serious security and controversial matters, um, feel very threatened by the fact that our police department has brought in the security contracting of this foreign military intelligence state that has a history very recently of targeting and assassinating Palestinian American journalists such as uh, Shireen Abu Akleh. Uh, They were also also, uh, cyber, Israeli cyber weapons were supplied to the Saw Mafia in Saudi Arabia that was then used to target for a hack job of Washington Post journalist uh, Khashoggi. And by the way, the, the morally, and I, I'll just remind that my three points are we have to deal with biometrics more generally as a society. We need to remember that our former government here in the United States of America is we the people. We are the ones who founded the government. We're the source of the power of any legitimate uh, state power. And we have to have an oversight into our government, not the other way around. This biometric issue is going to come up more and more in terms of equity, in terms of privacy. Black women are the ones who are most uh, unequally treated by a biometric technology. This state, Israel, was actually in league with the apartheid state of South Africa when it was uh, running its white supremacist policy. Now, this is uh, what we would call a shonda in in, uh, Jewish circles in terms of a shame upon this board that it's in line, in bed with this uh, Israeli apartheid state that has shown itself to be a racist state, willing to be in bed in in developing nuclear weapons, ethno-specific bioweapons with the South African government. And now on up to this uh, current moment where it's recognized by the best of our U.S. counter intelligence and security services as a top eternal threat in intelligence and security alongside such nemesis as china and russia imagine if we were running russian intelligence software in our databases we don't even know the basics in terms of once we give uh the our video data over to BriefCam, what do they have or what servers are those on? What's going on? So I will take up uh, Major Cooper's uh, invitation to visit the police um, uh, center and ask more questions about this. But this, the fact of this matter is well established. There's no more plausible deniability. Now we have to deal with the actual facts and implications of this. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. Do we have any other public comments?
2: And for anyone,
0: okay, thank you. For anyone listening, you can access Jeremy's written public comment um, via our agenda. Um, So now we're going to move on to the agenda items, and before we do that, um, the chief informed me right before today's meeting that the de-escalation trainer um, isn't able to be here tonight. So instead, Deputy Chief Adam Heffley will provide an overview of the UAV or Unmanned Aerial Vehicle or Drone program in his place. Um, So we need a motion and a vote in order to change our agenda. Um, Do we have a motion to change the uh, third agenda item to a presentation on um, UAV program from the Lawrence
5: Police Department? This is Board Member Minor. I make a motion to make that change to the third on the third item.
2: Okay. Do we have a second? Uh, Board Member Littleton.
6: This is Board Member Stephanie Littleton. I second that motion of change three to the UVA program.
0: Okay. Thank you. We'll go ahead and take a vote um, to change agenda item number three to a presentation on the UAV program with the Lawrence Police Department. Um, Board Member Littleton? Aye. Board Member Taylor? Board Member Marie Taylor, aye. Board Member Minor?
5: Board Member Minor, aye.
0: Board Member Bickford? Board Member Bickford, nay. Okay, Chair Robinson, aye. Um, The vote passes, we'll change agenda item number three to a presentation about the UAEP program. Um, So uh, agenda item number one doesn't require a vote. It's just a note from me. Um, We weren't able to get a meeting scheduled uh, with the chief and Sanjay and Brandon to kind of discuss the um, structure and setting of like our strategic planning for our board um, so we're scheduling that meeting now we're looking at the end of this month um, so we should have more information by our next meeting so thank you for your patience on that um, are there any questions from board members about that okay we'll go ahead and move on to our next agenda item uh, receiving the monthly complaint report from chief lockhart
3: Thank you, Chair Robinson. Um, I'm happy to report this month that we didn't have any complaints that were disposed of in the month of June.
2: All right, thank you. Any board discussion about this?
5: Uh, This is board member Miner. I know in our last meeting, uh, in June, we discussed. Uh, we briefly discussed about the involvement in regards to the board members um, being involved in the, or at least an observer, in regards to the uh, qu- the complaint process and the uh, discussion with the per se officer or officers that were involved. I was reviewing over the uh, documents. Uh, 9324 9668 and it allows the opportunity for the board to uh, be involved in that. I know Chief Lockhart said that uh, we will, at least if I, and I'm not speaking for Chief Lockhart, but said that uh, there's an opportunity for board members or a board member to uh, be involved in that process. I think that's a good opportunity for the board itself to uh, go along with this procedure. And see how we how the police department goes about their policy and procedures in regards to an invest a complaint investigation.
2: Thank you, Board Member Minor. Any any feedback
0: from Chief or Deputy Chief?
3: That invitation is extended to all of you. If you'll get in touch with Major Cooper or Lieutenant Unruh, they're happy to sit down with you, go through the whole process, and uh, let you know how we receive and process uh, our complaints.
10: Board Member Bickford, I have a comment slash question. I think last time I was asking about that process, and I did find the complaint page with the forms, I I believe that I was told, though, that the actual process of how those investigations were conducted was printed somewhere, and I didn't find that. So is there a link or a page that, I, that we could be directed to um, just in receiving complaints about following that process? I'd like to be able to compare notes.
3: Yeah, I'll see if I can get that to you tomorrow.
8: Okay, that would be great. Thank you. You bet. Did Miss Bickford get any information about using threats as a way to obtain compliance? Sorry, it's the only way you can do it.
0: Oh, uh, this is Chair Robinson. As uh, Stephen, I was going to ask for public comment. Um, would you like to? Uh, let me just make sure there's no further board discussion about this right now, and then I'll take public comment. Does that sound good? Uh,
5: this is Board Member Miner, and I, uh, as I, as I. Uh, stated last month that I would review the complaint, pro- not so much the complaint process, but uh, the online complaint form. And I found it to be adequate. Uh, I do, I did find that uh, maybe the font should have been bigger or something to bring out more attention. But my other concern would be, how does the police department uh, notify an individual that there is an online form do they do that uh, through their normal conversation with an individual or things of that nature? Cause, or do they have that on a business card or things like that? Because I think that's very important that they um, are aware that they can go to that form and uh, put down their the incident that occurred and their feelings in regards to what happened.
2: Any feedback on board member Miner's discussion?
3: Uh, We can certainly take a look at uh, how we've communicated that out. I'm sure that we've sent it out uh, in in different forms of communication in the past, but uh, we'll take a look at what we're doing right now and see if there's a better way to get that word out.
0: Okay, any other board discussion on this agenda item before we take public comment? Uh, Board member Littleton.
6: This board member, seven Littleton, just a quick comment. You know, we've been working on this, this somewhat, this process leading up to the work group for almost three or so years now, and so my my thinking is not really clear on when we covered this. And Marie might be able to kind of pull something out on this. I'm not sure, but we have talked about it in the past, and I just think kind of moving forward with the work group, it's going to be a, another component. If you will, that'll be important uh, about how we communicate out the different ways to uh, to com- you know file a complaint, and then it's online and such. Because I think we had talked about at one point of putting on some type of a uh, a note card, if you will, at the library and different points you know throughout the city, and that was part of this bigger discussion you know on the complaint process over time. So. I just think that's another part and partial to the um, work group that might be a good thing to keep in mind.
0: This is Chair Robinson. So Board Member Littleton, you're saying that um, discussing access and knowledge about how to make a complaint is an important part of the work group?
6: Correct. Yes. And then communicating that out, you know, you know refresh the community as to those different ways to do so yeah that's an important point
2: thank you board member littleton any other discussion about this agenda item
0: Board discussion okay we'll go ahead and take public comment i see steven's hand raised
8: thank you you know you understand that the complaint process is nothing but busy work and the website is busy work as well. I've talked about the website repeatedly with this group in, this, in the town. I mean, it underscores a disaffection. The police department doesn't want complaints. And if they get complaints, they're just going to deep six them anyway and do it all internally and stop you from doing anything you want to do because you're too afraid to do asking permission to do all this stuff. That form, Mr. Minor, it should be such that when you type it, it fills it out and you can print it easily. Additionally, there's no form on there for a compliment. I've asked for it repeatedly. That entire city website for uh, the police is useless. They give a number for desk sergeants. You call that number, nobody answers. Goddamn phone. And when they, if they do, everyone, well, I stop. They don't, it's very unsolicitous. It's not fun. It's, un, it's unhappy voice. This is not police business, that kind of stuff. Going back to this other thing, Ms. Bickford indicated that uh, doing threats in order to get compliance is a little questionable. I wanted to know, and I still want to know, what came of that? Uh, Is that the way our police department works, that guys can say, well, I'm going to arrest you for A, B, and C when A, B, and C isn't a problem? How can you trust these guys? This is Lawrence, Kansas. It is not the streets of Beluga. People are not. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. The complaint process, again, Mr. Minor, I'm embarrassed for you, sir, in terms of you saw that as adequate. Man, that whole thing, you read that thing and it's written as though we don't waste your time with us. Where are the where's the compliment? That's been a two years. Thanks for doing this, Ms. Robinson. I mean, it's difficult to speak extemporaneously when you feel compelled for time. There has never been a face-to-face or one-on-one or community meeting to talk to the police. It's always been through these circles. It's incredible. And I volunteered, and I'm going to do it here publicly. Yeah, I want to be on this committee that sits around with the police and talks about this stuff. Nobody on this committee represents me or people like me. All of you are well healed and well paid and getting your uh, um, resumes nice and together. Mr. Miners with the NAACP, it all looks good on paper, but when you get right down to it, with six, you get egg roll, and we don't have anything yet. This review board is a waste of time until you get energized and say, We want to work with the police. The police need our help. Let's cut their budget by getting rid of the school resource officers and funding the nature center and the humane center. Yee-haw! They don't, they don't need to be in the schools. They, that's not police work. Thank you. Thank you, Steven.
0: Do we have any other public comment in person for this agenda item?
7: Yep.
1: Yes, I think we do.
0: Right, go ahead, Michael.
7: So to answer a couple of questions that Steven brought up, the reason there's no compliment page is because compliments are not taken seriously. Have I got my police junior badge yet, guys? How about it? Can I get that? I mean, your, your brass thinks I need a police junior badge for congratulating an officer for handling a scene appropriately. I find it interesting that that officer that I congratulated ditched your asses and he's now on the Douglas County uh, Sheriff's Department. I think that's a good move for that guy because I don't think he had a career in your department looking ahead because those kind of people don't make it in your department. They get ran off. Stephen brought up a good point last week or uh, last month, Ms. Bickford pointed out the fact that and, and got chief into a conversation where he decided to admit to some borderline USC violations, which I believe really do have some bearing on the conversation about police accountability around here. Because I think what we proved was that if it doesn't exist in the policy, they are gonna exonerate the officer regardless of the federal implications. And that can't happen, it can't. Because every time it does, they go further down the civil path. They get into further civil trouble. And they're going to get themselves in a lawsuit eventually. It's unfortunate that I don't have the standing to actually file that case because I didn't let you assholes actually violate my rights. I stood up for myself. There's too many people out there that won't stand up for themselves, and you're going to violate their rights. And part of what I do as Lawrence Accountability on YouTube, I'm going to go ahead and plug myself. I'm going to use these public public meetings to start building my subscriber base. Lawrence Accountability on YouTube. I'm here to show the other side of the police department that you don't see, that they don't want to talk about. And I've shown quite a bit that you guys don't want to talk about, apparently. I think that last month's discussion regarding that threat really needs to be resolved. I said in that meeting that I was the complainant. I was here. Chief refused to freely and openly discuss that. But you're going to come in here and freely, openly and discuss Jalen Walker. That's uh. That's pretty sad, man. We can't openly and freely discuss a complaint when the complainant's in the room, but you're gonna talk about Jalen Walker like you really care. Your statistics from Warrensburg show that you don't care about Jalen Walker and you don't care about Jeremy Roth That's what your statistics in Warrensburg showed, sir. That's all I have to say tonight.
0: Thank you, Michael. Do we have any other public comment for this agenda item?
9: Yes, what, uh, Jeremy Rothkushel, Lawrence, Kansas, Radical Middle of America. Uh, I just want to um, make a quick comment that I I concur uh, very much with the There's a cultural problem here that in that is way bigger than just the police department. One example I think is what Mr. Watts talked about more generally, where one one of our st- you know, city managers, we sort of have a series of these, these city managers who pass through and make what seem to be small changes, such as destroying the written record of of the actual commentary during these kinds of meetings, and then move on. Uh, and this is very, very important, reminding us again of our form of government, the public reasoning and the public knowledge is the most important uh, thing in relationship to uh, legitimate public governance on through the police department, through the city, and all of that. So I I imagine this is more of an issue for the city commission. Then secondly, in terms of issues of culture, what, what Michael has pointed out about what goes on behind the scenes in terms of the nature of the commentary, very tongue-in-cheek, sort of uh it's sort of very middle school-esque in a way. It doesn't seem to take the members of the public seriously. And so this is a much bigger issue than obviously just individual members onto the command staff and leadership of this department. We're seeing this nationwide. This these are very big structural. Components. Some of them cultural. I would point out one example of the thin blue line, a desecration of the flag. It's also I would say it's seditious in intent in relationship to the founding nature of our government. It puts a blue line. Uh, basically, is that between the people and the government? Is that between chaos and order? That's a total seditious uh, concept in relationship to we the people. We're all here together. This is this is our country, this is our city, this is our government, this is our police department, you need we the people to uh, be respected and to also respect you, the public servants, so include us. Uh, in your reasoning, respect our uh, ability to understand what's going on. We may understand certain backgrounds, such as I have a deep lay expertise in relationship to the threat of Israeli intelligence. It's said to be an ally, but they've even uh, attempted to assassinate Jewish American ambassadors who are trying to make peace in the region. They've run serious compromise uh, programs at the highest levels of our government. And uh, so I just wanted to urge a, a public reckoning and a reasoning with the issue of what is our real American civic culture and how it's been threatened more and more, uh, especially after September 11th, where we've seen escalations of shootings uh, uh, based on a large uh, array of reasons, some of them the militarization of police, the foreign training in Israel, but also at core, the escalation of a culture of disrespect of we the people. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. This is Chair Robinson. Do we have any? Oh,
1: I apologize. Yeah, one more, sorry. Uh, My name's Jason. Um, I've been watching uh, these meetings and observing, listening for quite some time. And today's the first day I've decided to come up here and I find it a little disturbing that I'm staring at three police officers and no civilians. I mean, How's that supposed to look to me?
3: To someone who, uh, what if someone had? It took them a long time to work up the courage down here because maybe they had
1: a bad encounter with a law enforcement officer, and they come down here and that's all they see is law enforcement officers. Um, I'm 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 inclined to agree with Mr. Watts that in all of my observation, I have seen no purpose that this review board serves. Uh, I mean, it it just to the the out from the outside looking in,
3: it appears to be a whole lot of. A whole lot more of we have investigated ourselves and found ourselves clear of all wrongdoing thank you
0: thank you and that was jason is that right correct okay thank you jason do we have any other public comment on this agenda item
1: does not appear so
0: okay do we
2: have any um board discussion on this agenda item following public comment Okay, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to agenda item
0: number three. I don't believe we need a vote on agenda item two. No. No. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to number three, and it will be a presentation on the UAV program with the Lawrence Police Department. And um, Deputy Chief Heffley will be giving that for us.
1: Thank you, Chair Robinson. I'm gonna share my screen here, but I'm a bit of an amateur at this, so please let me know if if you are not seeing something. Uh, my goal was to provide you some information and to sit for uh, questions that you might have about a program that's relatively new within a year uh, of the police department. Um, and I, this is gonna be kind of uh, high level, but um, if you've got questions, um, please, uh, ask whatever you'd like to, and then if you need to follow up later, I'm, I'm happy to talk about this. So uh, last fall, the, the Lawrence Police Department began uh, looking into um, a UAV program uh, to supplement um, patrol response to in-progress critical incidents and, and amongst a couple other functions, which I'll talk about shortly. If I figure out how to operate. There we go. Okay, so three main areas of use for UAVs uh, or UASs, that term is used interchangeably uh, in law enforcement settings, specifically here in Lawrence. Uh, One, and probably the main one, is patrol response to incidents. Uh, We've utilized these devices uh, in response to subjects fleeing. Uh, There was one uh, fairly publicized incident in which somebody fled a domestic violence situation. Hid in some neighboring woods and was able to be uh, located utilizing this technology uh, without forcing an encounter um, that wasn't uh or that was able to be approached quite uh methodically and carefully. Uh second use is the investigation of crime scenes and crash scenes. Uh devices, UAVs, UASs are essentially just cameras cameras that can uh, move about the environment in, a, in three dimension uh, we can utilize those devices to map a crime scene or a crash scene in a way that couldn't be done prior uh, allowing us to uh, create a three-dimensional two-dimensional whatever prosecuting uh, body needs to see uh, of a rather large crime scene or crash scene uh, which is something uh, I'll show you some pictures of later of of some uh, not here but some crash scenes that have been mapped in a way that that just wasn't possible previously. Lastly, uh, utilizing the devices for training and assisting in other city functions is something that there is value in uh, training documentation of of how we're operating so that we can kind of go to the tape and come up with um, things we need to improve on in any of those situations. Uh, additionally, we're, we're in talks with fire, uh, fire Medical to assist them in the use uh, of, of thermal cameras to uh, assist in fire suppression and some of those uh, incidents, high angle rescues and hazmat situations where we can provide real time data without putting a person in a risky or dangerous situation. Um, Mechanical inspections is something that that has just come up of late. Uh, Other departments within the city are required to do certain inspections of of places and situations that again, can be very dangerous and utilizing one of these devices removes a person and, and mitigates some of that risk um and which which uh is a very good uh replacement for putting a person in a potentially bad situation all department members that are authorized to operate the uas devices by policy must be faa part 107 licensed pilots part 107 of the faa code specifically addresses uh, uas uh, piloting uh, in a commercial environment which since they're operating it as part of their job means commercial, uh, it's a, it's a test through some training and then a test that that's required to be taken and passed with refreshing and, uh, retesting every several years. Uh, I've been through it myself. It is, it is not a show up and, and guess your way through kind of deal. There's some, there's some, uh, study necessary and, um, it's, it's a fairly comprehensive, uh, testing process. Uh, when we just started with policy development, um, this has been over a year now. This this began when we talked about policy development for public safety cameras. Uh, I reached out to a couple of different groups in town uh, looking for some feedback. One group, the Lawrence Libertarians, uh, sat and provided some some really good feedback and identified some concerns that uh, that we tried to address as best we could in policy. Uh, specifically towards record retention and their desire to have us not collecting large amounts of of data and video and things like that. And, and I comp- completely agree with their assessment of that. What we've gone to is a, a policy uh, that adheres to state of Kansas record retention with a lean towards if we don't need it for criminal purposes, then we do not retain it, which I think is a best practice. Uh, the second group was the American Civil Liberties Union. Uh, they were in a bit of a transition at the time locally, uh, but we discussed it um, at length. Uh, they didn't have a specific concern to be addressed, but did have some general concerns about any additional use of, of technology and uh, the potential of privacy issues with the public. Uh, we have gone outside to several different agencies around the country to look at best practices. The policy for the cameras, which rolled into the policy for the UAS systems was developed with a, a, a basis of President Obama's, um, I'm sorry, President Obama's sanctioned Department of Justice Uh, report and I could provide you the report at a later time which talked about the development of UES systems in law enforcement. Um, The other one was a product of the ACLU uh, for best practices and we tried to use those as our basis uh, knowing that uh, this is a technology that that can be used incorrectly and we wanted to do our best to prevent uh, that from occurring now or you know, 10, 15 years down the line when the people who began this project aren't around. So Uh, there are Fourth Amendment issues with the use of UASs, and I'm not going to go into great detail, but I do want to provide some basis. The Supreme Court has not weighed in on Fourth Amendment issues directly related to UASs. They have um, provided guidance on several other um, cases which, or at least tangential tangential uh, cats versus us has to do with um, uh, the case with somebody speaking on a phone book uh, and in a phone booth um, trying to at least have a conversation with some reasonable expectation of privacy in which the government invaded that the supreme court decided that was an invasion of a reasonable expectation of privacy so it does provide some guidance there the second one that is again not on point but close Uh, There is some case law that has to do with manned um, flight, meaning helicopters, airplanes. And and they held at the time that manned flight, looking into a backyard, was not a violation. However, there is more recent case law at, at a state level in Michigan that is starting to lean towards the use of a UAS is different than a helicopter, and the FAA has acknowledged that by creating different rules. And therefore, a search of a backyard uh, using a UAS would constitute a uh, a search. And therefore, uh, if it was a warrantless search, a violation of, of someone's rights. This is our basis for how we operate. Uh, I believe it is much better for us to be on the uh, strict adherence to this side than to be pressing any issues. So that is our approach and how we use and uh, provide guidance for the use of these devices. Uh, Just to show you that this is not um, something uh, that's taken lighthearted or uh, that's not very strictly controlled. We have pre-flight procedures that include uh, restrictions having to do with weather, uh, fog, Temperatures, uh, KP, which has to do with uh, solar flares coming off the sun, creating electromagnetic interference. Uh, the number of visible satellites we were talking about telescope uh, a little earlier in the meeting tonight. Uh, we get into number of acquired satellites to correctly locate a device prior to us launching and taking off to fly a, a uh, an operation, um, and then there's some some leeway when we get into some wind gusts that are a little less uh some things like that but i'm just trying to provide some information on on how deep we get into um, specifics before we even consider uh, a device leaving the ground uh we utilize some different programs that are available to um, anybody who who would choose to find this but they provide some early easy visual indications based on um, standards that we apply whether or not it's safe to proceed uh, this again is just one more level of checks and balances uh, there are restricted air in our city and it's it's actually quite complex and i'll show you here in the next Uh, the next slide, but there is a a long series of rules that we have to follow in order to fly safely and within FAA guidelines. Uh, One reason being the Lawrence Municipal Airport and the approach of the airport. So that does affect our use of these devices and we are uh, keenly aware of the need to to operate safely. Uh, This is just to provide you a little context. This is an aerial chart of the region and how complex it is in Kansas, which you know isn't super populated. We don't have a ton of large metropolitan airports, but the airspace is controlled considerably in many different areas. And this is a requirement for our pilots to understand this, be able to read these charts and know where it is and is not okay to proceed, and then communicate with the FAA and control towers in Kansas City uh, when emergencies arise. Uh, this specifically is Lawrence, and and you can see that uh, it takes some studying to understand what you're looking at, what you're dealing with, and uh, again, continuing education and a requirement that we um, impress upon our people that uh, this is not something that that's to be taken lightly. Uh, when requesting. A, and uh, authority to take off and fly a mission, we have to proceed through a, um, an FAA uh, certified, at least FAA application to, to receive authorization to fly at low altitudes and capability. When we do this, we remain in contact with the FAA. We've had instances, and in, uh, I would point out the uh, derailment north of town, which was precariously close to the airport. Uh, Our our pilot that was there worked very closely with um, the uh, control tower in Kansas City to make sure that that there was no safety issues or safety concerns uh, added to a situation which was already um, pretty dangerous. Uh, This is a grid map of Lawrence and authorizations of different uh, altitudes that can be flown in. Um, Again, as you can see, it just adds to the layer of complexity that that we're requiring of our people to understand and be able to navigate. Um, The airspace restrictions uh, must be adhered to strictly. The FAA is not flexible and Uh, They don't like the rules to be violated, but we do have um, outlets to contact them through the SOSC in Kansas City. And again, just communicating with them and making sure that we are adhering to all rules, safety rules, and and so forth. Uh, Prior to taking off, we require our pilots to go through a checklist. And this is the checklist before they leave the ground. Some things can be done rather quickly. Uh, It's a topical inspection of an airframe, removal of gimbal shield, things like that can be done quickly. But uh, as the FAA has proven over the years, checklists are are, uh, good ways to ensure that safety checks are done in in a manner that is appropriate for the given situation. So uh, going on that direction, um, we have instituted those procedures. Uh, When a flight is over, video and photographs are submitted to evidence to the evidence management system as is body camera video it is categorized based on the incident if it's training it's categorized as such if it's a criminal incident that where there's criminal evidence or evidence of a of, of a potential crime it's categorized as such and retained on the same retention schedule as body camera video uh, this is done intentionally because it is the same type of video evidence that would or could be used in a prosecution, and then additionally, we have an internal UAS deployment form that is so I, as the as the program uh, director, uh, can manage and know about all the deployments throughout the year we can produce a report at the end of the year uh, to determine the the value of the program to make sure that it's meeting the goals of the city the goals of of the department and that it's uh, of value to the community Uh, i want to talk about equipment We'll do it pretty quick, but I, I do think it's important because there's some good information and some misinformation out there about what these devices are, what they can and can't do, and I want to make sure that I'm able to speak to that. Um, so there's, there's some talk about thermal camera and RGB camera, which is just your standard uh, digital camera. Uh, on the right, you see a... a still image captured from one of our us devices and it's the rgb camera Uh, it's very similar to a gopro camera or somewhere between a gopro and what you would see in a a digital slr camera Uh, they're good cameras but they are essentially mark or uh, consumer grade cameras on the left you see a an image of a thermal camera this is a picture that's taken measuring the heat difference um, per pixel on the uh, imager, and then it reproduces an image. What I've heard from time to time are concerns that a thermal camera will look through a wall, through a window, into a house. Uh, The reason I wanted you to see this picture is this is a true and accurate representation of what a thermal camera sees when it looks at a window. It will often see a reflection or a reflection of heat from glass but it will not see through glass it will not see through walls uh, at least not anything that we could ever have access to um, this technology is commercially available to anybody who chooses to, to buy one this is not um, government law enforcement specific or any anything like that Uh, similar photograph of the top-down view. Uh, again, what you can see is heat emanating from vehicles and, and people. Um, but as you can see, detail starts to fade pretty quick from elevation. And again, just a little bit further back picture, um, the point of me showing you this is I, I want to at least speak to the concerns that thermal technology is looking into people's residences, cars, things like that. And then from a distance, the zoom of a thermal camera is extremely, well, I shouldn't say extremely, it's poor. Um, you start getting some real pixelation and a loss of detail. So making out uh, finite detail is, is not something that's done with commercial grade FLIR or other thermal technology. Uh, this is what I was trying to speak to a little bit earlier when we talk about crash scenes, crash reconstruction scenes. Uh, so this represents a traffic crash scene, and I, I did take this from online. This isn't one of ours. But what it represents is the, uh, the crash investigation of a scene which is about a city block, maybe a little bit short of a maybe half a block, but to a city block. And if any of you are photographers, to try and take a picture that's a city block in the middle of the dark is um, rather difficult, I would say. It's, it's a, a near impossibility without uh, an extraordinary amount of equipment in the past. Um, these devices are capable of stitching together different frames and rendering a three-dimensional map uh, similar to what technology we have for inside of residences when we are processing a crime scene. We have a, uh, a laser system which is used very commonly in crime scene documentation amongst law enforcement agencies to reconstruct a crime scene in the moment that, that they're there. Uh, measuring using lidar and some other technology to reconstruct that so for prosecution two to you know one to two to three years later they can reproduce in the mo or at the moment of the incident what that scene looked like. Uh, the, the use of UASs for this has taken that to an outside uh, larger scale. We can do this in an efficient manner rather than you know um, several investigators or crime scene technicians taking uh, five to six hours to document this scene. Uh, a UAS and some uh, peripheral uh, equipment can document this scene efficiently and effectively in, in a, a fraction of that amount of time. And that allows us to uh, release scenes, open up scenes, and and start uh, taking care of other things in, in a crime scene or traffic crash situation. that is all i have formally but i'd be interested to know if you have any questions or concerns or anything you'd like to speak to thank oh let me deputy,
0: stop oh, thank you deputy chief Hefley. um so looks like board member minor has a question
5: yes and i apologize if i missed um, this uh, statement, but in regards to search and seizure and drones, what does the city of Lawrence and the state of Kansas, what is the city of Lawrence and the state of Kansas position on using that, that tool for uh, searches and seizures? Do they have to get a search warrant before a drone is used is more specifically?
1: Uh, So to to broadly answer your question, uh, the search and seizure rules that would apply to any other instance of a law enforcement officer or government official um, entering, searching, seizing property apply directly to the UAS, meaning uh, if I'm going to search a building, a house, um, a, a piece of property in which you have uh, done some action to uh, provide a reasonable expectation of privacy, and I would need a search warrant for it as an officer, then I will need a search warrant for it to use a UAS. Uh, we are going a little bit further in the uh, constrictive way of currently under Supreme court case law, a helicopter can fly over a residence and look in the backyard and it's not considered a, um, uh, a violation of somebody's expectation of privacy, but we are taking the position that a UAS is a different animal. And if that is uh, uh, if that is the task to be done, then a search warrant would be required by policy. Thank
2: you.
0: Any other board member discussion or questions?
2: Board member
10: Bickford, um, I have quite a few questions. And the reason that I did not want to change the agenda this evening is because we would typically be prepared to receive information and have an opportunity to review presentation materials ahead of time. Whereas this is a topic where also the community might want some advance notice that it was going to be discussed so that they could be involved and see the materials ahead of time and be prepared for public comments should they feel so inclined. Um, So I'd like to reserve an opportunity to come back and maybe address some of the other items here. Um, So I I will compliment you. It was a nice presentation. Um, I do think that you guys have done a lot as far as the physical safety of operating the equipment and going over that process, I learned a lot of things. Um, so I think that that was very thorough. I think that the pieces on privacy and surveillance and those issues are incredibly important to civilians, and that that should probably um, we should probably have a little bit more thorough presentation on those policies and those considerations, I I appreciate the community engagement, reaching out to the folks that you did to get their perspectives and their input. I think that community engagement is something that our community as a whole really needs to focus on doing and finding the right groups that have the right perspectives and the right ties to those issues. So um, I have questions about... um, how the data is being used generally, how it's being stored, how it's being transferred. Um, And those are maybe things that are in a contract that you have for data storage that we could be presented with. Um, And then to the extent that any of this may or may not be using facial recognition technology. um, I have some, pretty big concerns about its accuracy, particularly among racial groups. Um, They are least accurate uh, for female black individuals. Um, And so there's a lot of room for some racial based issues there. Um, So I'm curious what the conversation was there in the use and the application.
2: then the thermal camera image of the SUV, was Mm -hmm. there
10: anyone inside of that vehicle or any thermally dynamic objects within the vehicle that would have created a thermal change in the image? Or was that just a vehicle that had been sitting at the same temperature prior to that image being taken? Um, And then I guess my last, question right at this moment is you said that the data retention policies that are being applied to body cameras uh, are being applied to UAS video. Uh, I'm wondering about the policy as far as a individual wanting to review that footage to the extent that they are involved in the footage if that policy is the same as body cam footage, or if there is a different policy, um, or if that policy itself has not been
1: addressed as of yet. Okay,
2: those are my initial
10: comments and I'll let you respond.
1: Thank you. Uh, I I am completely open to coming back. I do apologize for the late notice in this, um, but I am very comfortable coming back and addressing specific questions and concerns. Uh, I do know there's there's going to be a ton of them. Um, I, I knew initially when we started talking about this that there was no way we were going to get to everybody's concerns or or even hear everybody out uh, that would have a concern, but I, I have no issue uh, coming back. But I, I'd like to try and address the questions that, that you, you had right now, if that's okay. Uh, you spoke to data use. Uh, the data use... It, the video and still, photo, still photographs that are captured it is used in the exact same way that crime scene photo or body camera currently is utilized. If it's necessary for a, a court case proceeding, then it's retained based on the, the statutes that um, direct the, the retention of those. If it's not for use of, of a criminal case, then it is deleted. Uh, and not retained. Um, the video is stored in the same manner as, uh, quite frankly, the the video cards when, when the device is taken back to the station are removed, and it's uploaded directly into evidence.com, which is where our body camera video lives. Um, this is a, a practice that most, I shouldn't say most, many Law enforcement agencies that have body worn cameras utilize evidence.com and it's there that we apply the rules of retention to it so it automatically purges video that is not needed to be stored. Um, And and I can elaborate on that if there's if there's more questions about that process. Uh, The department as a whole does not use facial recognition in any way Uh, we don't use it on the UASs. we don't use it on the stationary cameras we don't use it in a third-party application uh, that's come up of late we we do not use it and not to say that it's not possible i i don't want to mislead you or be um, uh, not completely transparent there are applications that have that ability Uh, You can take just about any camera out there and feed it into certain things and utilize facial recognition. We have made a conscious decision based on community desires, needs uh, to not utilize facial recognition. Uh, And that is a conversation I had in the city commission meeting and I'm not gonna be able to get the date. Uh, Commissioner Ananda asked me specifically, when we were talking about public safety camera systems in the downtown area, are these facial recognition cameras? And uh, my answer to her was, is, is what my answer to, to you all is. Any camera has the potential to run that software. I hear the concern of the community. We hear the concern of the community. And we are not using facial recognition technology. Uh, I know there's a lot of problems with it. Now, that being said, there are technologies that will identify a vehicle. And I do believe that there are uses for um, a technology that will uh, pour through 12 to 15 to 80 hours of video and pick out a red truck um, because that's an effective use of time. However, if you start talking about identifying people, it gets really dicey really quick. And and quite frankly, I share your concerns and I'm not comfortable with that. Um, I'm just going down the list here. Thermal. As to the picture of the car, I can't honestly answer whether or not somebody was in that car. That picture was from one of my sergeant's presentations and I stole it from him. So I will, in fact, recreate the situation you're describing. Uh, because it's a good test, and I have no problem recreating it and then presenting it to you at a later time just so that you understand uh, what it does and what it doesn't do and that I can speak um, with 100% confidence of what we're looking at. And then um, you spoke to a data retention policy. So the data retention policy is dictated to us by the Kansas State Historical Society. Uh, that is articulated in our uh, department policy. I believe it's in the procedure manual, which is on our website. Uh, I printed out a copy of our UAS policy and brought it with me, not thinking that we weren't going to all be in person. I would be happy to send it to anybody. It is posted publicly on the website. There is a portion that I would like to read to you if you you would um, uh, tolerate me doing that just for a second because it is of note. Um, Prohibited uses. The UAS video surveillance equipment shall not be used to conduct random surveillance activities to target a person based solely on individual characteristics such as, but not limited to, race, ethnicity, national origin, religion, disability, gender, or sexual orientation. And then the last one, which I think is, is, is extremely important, to harass, intimidate, or discriminate against any group or individual. Uh, these devices are not used to monitor people, and it's in policy, exercising their First Amendment rights. Uh, that's just not what we're doing. Uh, we have used them in large group situations, such as the final four, when we had a significant amount of safety concern. Uh, but even to speak to that, uh, w- we were completely outnumbered by privately owned UASs that were in the area and operating very unsafely. And there's a lot of concern that we have with that. So, uh, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole and I want to hit your concerns correctly. Um, and then your last question, I apologize. I can't even read my own writing. Can...
10: Sure. Yeah, my I... my comment as to the retention, you mentioned that those are being done with the same policies and retention schedule as the body cam footage. My question then was, are the policies for access to being able to view those videos the same as the policies that are applied to body cam footage? So if... An individual is involved in the incident that's captured on a body cam, then they have a right to review that. Is that. Yes. Is the policy the same? Is it silent as to that issue? Um, I don't know that that's in state statute at this point. I have to.
1: Yes. So, um, the policy, the policy for UAS devices does not specifically speak to that concern. However, uh, we have tried to draw a hard connection between this video evidence and any other video evidence. Uh, if you are able to see it, uh, because you are the subject of the video, then, um, we would lean towards what state law requires, which is uh, allowance of viewing of that video by yourself, uh, your guardian or your, and I am blanking on the last uh, point of that, I think it's your uh, somebody who controls your estate in the, in the statute is I think is what it says. So to your answer your question directly, yes, you would be able to view that if you are the subject of that.
10: But that is not written in your current policy. Correct. Okay. Are we open to revisiting that language and maybe including some so that we can make it clear to folks that if they are the subject of footage, they have the right to view that?
1: Yes. I, okay. I'm open to to looking and talking through policies and and tweaking them to suit our needs. Uh, you know, these aren't carved in stone and, and they change with technology and they change with uh, legislation obviously. Um, So, uh, of course, if there's a community desire to see that articulated specifically in the policy, I would have no problem sitting and talking through this with anybody.
10: Thank you very much. You addressed those really well. I went through them pretty fast. So, thank you for answering.
3: And Jordan, just so you know, right now it's in state law. So, we have to abide by state law. So, there, there is a provision there to ensure that if somebody's the subject, they can see it. And then we can also look at the policy addition as well to make it more clear. Okay.
10: And yeah, I'll have to take a minute to look at that. Again, we weren't aware that this was going to be a subject of discussion.
3: It, well, the, it's it, the whole purpose of it is an informational thing. The, the technology has already been approved. It's already in policy. It's already in use. So what I'm trying to do for you all is to give you some examples of what we do and provide it as an informational item. So that's why it was uh, that's the purpose of it being presented.
10: Sure. I Information is better when the audience is prepared to ask questions and get more relevant information to the concerns of the audience. So that's, I
2: appreciate the information. Sure. Thank you, Board Member Pickford. Um, uh, Board Member Minor.
5: Yes, uh, one question, and I I hope you haven't answered it already. Retention time, you said uh, you retained the uh, video, etc. If it's not criminal or things like that for a certain amount of time, what time is that? Well, how long is that?
1: I I, I was a little, I didn't answer it specifically, because I was a little reluctant to name the day amount uh, without that schedule in front of me. If there's no evidentiary value, and there's no um, other category assigned to it, I believe it's 90 days. But Without that in front of me, uh, I, I have to give it as a qualified answer, and I believe it's 90 days. I could provide that, and we can tag that. Uh, I, I tried to get that schedule individually posted online just so that it was more apparent, um, but I will get that to you so that you could see that because that also pertains to uh, body camera video, and uh, and I know that's of concern to many people uh, about the amount of of video that's being retained. uh, And I completely understand that concern.
5: Yeah. And then further comment, uh, if you have body camera video that you retain for three years, for example, and someone has a complaint later on, one would like to be able to review that and compare notes. And if you're getting rid of it at a short amount of time, that doesn't provide the uh, citizen an opportunity uh, f- for their review. Uh,
1: yes, you. there there is a very delicate balancing act going on there of we want to provide for um, a historical record in case there is a complaint of an issue or incident. However, it, it is in, I, I believe I could speak to some concern that I heard from the, um, Lawrence Libertarians and some other groups, and and not just them, that any government entity retaining large amounts of video of of the the citizen population is not something desirable either. Uh, I'm sensitive to that, and I I completely understand that perspective. Um, We we have gone with what uh, state law refers us to, which is the Kansas State Historical Society's schedule. Uh, If we believe there's a complaint, it does not go away at 90 days. If we believe there's a criminal act caught, we do not go and uh, we do not delete it at 90 days. 90 days is the, this is in our minds at the time, an innocuous video of a takeoff, a test flight, and then a land. Uh, That still provides for three months of somebody to approach and say, I have concerns about that. Can you look at that? And at that time we would, we still document every flight. So we have flight logs, we document all the flights. So even if somebody approached several years later and said, I have concerns about what went on that day, we would be able to reproduce a large amount of information, short of video, potentially. But a large amount of information to to uh, investigate something like that.
2: All right, thank you
0: for this discussion. Is there any other uh, board member questions or discussion?
2: About this presentation? Okay, we'll move to public comment on this agenda item.
0: Um, I see Stephen has his hand raised. Uh, if it's all right, well, will go ahead
2: and start with Steven.
3: Aren't I lucky?
8: <laughs> yeah, once again, these guys, man, they, they love talking about the policy. The policy written by Lexipole on the West Coast. Are you familiar with the drone policy? Have any of you read the policy and procedure manual? I have many times. It's a piece of shit, he said bluntly, because there's nothing in there that talks. I found it very curious when Mr. Hefley noted the shall. Whoa, that's probably four times inside that 10,000 page manual. The word shall is written in there. If you review policy, let me see, 609, I think it is. Yeah, 609. Read it. It doesn't say anything. Just basic stuff. And these guys are putting up with it, and I appreciate it. 99% of police work is da-da-da-da. We want to focus on the 1% and 2% stuff that really happens. The utilization of these drones, UAVs, if you will. Why are the police talking to me about case law? That's what a lawyer does. The airspace above my property is private. The Supreme Court decided that. A long time ago. Chief and, and Mr. Halfley, Mr. Lockhart, Mr. Halfley both said um, not using facial recognition software. What we really want to add is three dots, dot, 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 this week. <laughs> these guys, man, they, they they mince these words and they get away with it. They get away with it. You guys let them do it. We still have not have an answer to the question about using threats. Anyway, yeah. It'll be nice to be able to visit this in a public forum with all kinds of people throwing questions. And when Mr. Hefley says, libertarian, the libertarians, what other group? Name me the other groups. They never do. They name one third and then they move on. It's all good. Next. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Stephen. Do we have any in-person public comment for this agenda item? Jeremy? Yes.
9: Yes, thank you. Uh, Jeremy roth Lawrence, Kansas. The two questions I have is, again, relating to video analytics, brief cam, is, is the investigations division utilizing brief cam and in what manner? And I understand that that uh, Hefley, you basically said that, that you're not utilizing it in general is what I understand. But then you also seem to say that any video source could be fed into it. Um, I think you actually were very specific. You said facial recognition was not being utilized. And now I imagine BriefCam uh, video analytics can do all kinds of of after the fact analytics in terms of looking through hours and hours of footage. So that's my first question. Can the drone footage be fed into a uh, brief cam, for example, uh, analytic uh, technology and databases if investigations division is doing it, that's one. And then my second question has to do with the retention of not only this video uh, data, but also the uh, body cam data. You mentioned evidence I'm not familiar with that. Uh, Is that a cloud uh, service? Where are the servers? Who has access to the servers? And we found that there was a proposal to put the hands of the Pentagon's uh, Jedi Cloud, the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure Initiative to basically outsource or corporatize the the Pentagon's uh, uh, data cloud, and it was being pushed from certain elements into the hands of Microsoft's Azure cloud, which had very recently before acquired an Israeli military intelligence uh, group and put it in charge of its cloud app security. So there's all these kinds of uh, a litany of these kinds of, I would say, cyber threats. And especially with the rise of cyber war, we need to begin to really look at the nature of databases where our uh material is where our video footage is so i'd be interested in hearing more about the specifics of both evidence.com and the nature of feeding all how how uh investigations division can acquire any video footage and then uh put it into something like a briefcam analytics thank you
0: thank you jeremy do we have any other public comment uh in person on this agenda item
3: No, he's the only one here.
0: Okay. Um, thank you for the presentation, Deputy Chief Heffley, and for um, engaging with us and
3: answering our questions tonight. We really appreciate it. And again, let me extend the invitation. Um, if you all want to come out, and they train regularly. If you want to come out and, and watch training and see how it works, uh, it's really pretty cool, and uh, it's a great resource for us, and it's going to help keep Lawrence safe and secure
0: thank you chief is there any other uh, board discussion on this agenda item okay um we can go ahead and move on and um before we um adjourn tonight i just wanted to say it's uh, my apologies, I didn't add onto the agenda that we would choose who was going to serve on the community police oversight work group. Um, uh, slipped my mind. And so it'll be on next month's agenda. So start thinking about if you would like to be a part of that work group, we'll choose our three members at that meeting. Um, any questions about that or anything, any other things of note tonight uh, board member Littleton?
6: Thanks Jenny, this is board member Littleton. I just wanted to ask the chief, maybe since it's been a couple of months, I to get kind of an idea of when uh, the city commission might, I think I had heard from the last video I watched from June 9th, that the city commission has 30 days that they're trying to select the five community members. Do we have a timeline maybe chief when the work group might be able to begin work? <clears throat>
3: I haven't heard from them uh, as far as selections go. Uh, Brandon did let me know that we had, I believe, three proposals for the facilitator uh, that were responsive to the RFP. So um, I I think we're going to be working, uh, bringing that back to you all next month. And so hopefully by then we'll have something from the commission on who their members will be. And um, my guess is maybe late August, uh, maybe early September, we'll have our first meeting. Okay.
6: Appreciate that. Thank you.
3: You're welcome.
8: I'm sorry, I have to throw this in here, Ms. Robinson. And that is, will this facilitator be just like the consultant that came to town, another group of police people who believe in police people ideas and have like the brains of a pea?
2: Thank you. Thank you,
0: Steven. Um, do we have uh, a motion to adjourn?
5: Board member Minor, I make a motion to adjourn. Thank you, do we have a second?
4: Board member Murray Taylor, make a second that motion. All right, Um,
0: let's vote to adjourn. Uh, Board member. Aye. Board member Minor. Aye. Board member Taylor. Board member Murray Taylor, aye. Board member Bickford. Board member Bickford, aye. And Chair Robinson, aye. It passes. We are adjourned. Thank you all so much.
3: Bye, guys. Have a good week. Thank
2: you all. Bye-bye.
3: Bye. Thank you. Thank you.